when making decisions, would it be better to make a decision in a vacuum or with the maximum amount of information that one could get in order to make that decision? Yeah. The more data that's relevant, the better. Agreed. Now, there can be over uh, over analysis, yes. what I call analysis paralysis, and we get this a lot. People uh, and... <laughs> Yes, we get this a lot because you can go way into the weeds, but what really matters is how you use the tool. Yep. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Better Wealth Podcast. I'm here with our Better Wealth head coach, Jeremy Rudhouse, and uh, we have been in a series from the front lines where we go into case studies, conversations, um, interactions with people that are going through our unlimited program. And I, you know, I mentioned this a couple of times, but if you could literally be in the room and watch this guy coach some of our clients, it's, it's remarkable. And, and it's taking off at a level that we're getting more coaches because this model is so important. And so essentially people get us their information. We get really clear on where they're at. We build a model for them. The model shows cash flow on money coming in, where it's going. We want to better control and use our money throughout our life. And then we have conversations and everything can be modeled from there. Now we, we, um, or and if this is the first time you're watching us go back and watch some other, watch some other episodes after you're done watching this, we helped save somebody, um, 2.4 $4 million. When I say that, we help them find that money that they didn't know yep. exists. Um, we looked at someone that's making $70,000 a year and how they're totally crushing it. And we also looked at someone that's making over $100,000 a year, going to run out in less than six years in retirement. And so we want to share these examples, the good, the bad, the ugly, because we find that you can learn so much. So you can tell I'm fired up. And I know you're <laughs> going to get fired up in this, in this, uh, in this next session, because there's a lot of people that come to us because of this thing right here, the and asset. Now, not everyone goes through our unlimited program, um, but a lot of people have read my book and they've maybe saw the handbook and they're like, I really like what you're talking about. I want to work with you guys, which is great. This person came to us and I knew of, of this person. Yeah. Um, this Mr. Amazing, Smith. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, another Mr. Smith. Everybody's Mr. Smith. And, they had an AND asset before they knew what an AND asset was, but they worked with someone that set up an AND asset and they just wanted to analyze the AND asset. And it was pretty clear that this person did not know really what was going on. And so they decided to go through our unlimited program. And that was very revealing, very eye-opening. And I think there's one there's one thing that we're gonna that we're gonna share with you is you can have the same product at the same company. But if you don't understand efficiency, if you're not optimizing efficiency, you could be losing thousands and thousands of dollars with the same product, same company. And opportunity-wise, opportunity cost-wise, it could be costing you a lot of time and energy. So with that, with that, there you go. Uh, yeah, let's dive in. So uh, when making decisions, would it be better to make a decision in a vacuum or with the maximum amount of information that one could get in order to make that decision? The more data that's relevant, the better. Agreed. Now, there can be over, uh, over analysis, yes. what I call analysis paralysis, and we get this a lot. People uh, and <laughs> yes, we get this a lot because you can go way into the weeds, but what really matters is how you use the tool. Yep. Okay. 
So um, let's set the stage here for this Mr. and Mrs. Smith, essentially um, entrepreneurs, business owners, and uh, looking for some extra guidance after being a little bit unsatisfied with uh, the level of education. Now, let me say this. The level of education was really what was um, of concern because they felt understood. Like, hey, I've got this great tool. Are you, and you're talking about the end asset, right? Well, yes, and. Okay. Right? So just like the and asset allows you to do this and that, uh, you, you, you can have the greatest tool in the world, but if you don't need that tool for the job that you're doing yep. or – that tool won't fulfill the result that you're after for that job, then who yep. really cares? Yep. Okay. So there, there's the and asset and it's, it is an amazing tool, but it is still just a tool and it's yep. gotta be, uh, doesn't have to be used for anything, but it is most optimally used when it allows $1 to turn into two and three and four and so on and so forth. As far as the jobs that those dollars can do. And Frankly, that takes a little bit of time and it takes a little bit of education. And when you institute an and asset in a vacuum, it will not. I'll prove this to you with math if you want to call up and have a conversation. But it will not be used to the greatest degree that it can if purchased and set up in a vacuum. And this yep. is pretty much what we saw here. Yep. Um, now, that being said, this family was well protected in terms of death benefit. Okay. Right? They had a protection. Should something happen with regards to a death the the family would have been well taken care of that being said there's a missing piece to that puzzle and we'll go into that here in a second because of the distrust that was built throughout the process in obtaining their and asset so let's just let's just walk through this and let's look at the household economy of mr and mrs smith so uh 34 32 young couple yeah business owners um, really really getting going with family getting going with life uh, coming to uh, you know, in the next 10, 15 years, the peak of their earning potential mm -hmm. and the impact that they would like to have. Also, really, really family-oriented as well. That's cool. Um, I've really enjoyed this particular interaction because I've intro been introduced strategically to other members of the family cool. because of the education and the 10,000-foot the view down to the one-foot one view yep. perspective. So income, what's coming into the household economy? About $270,000. This was a really interesting challenge when we looked at the model. Again, business owners, when they first provided me what it is they're making, they provided me what they're paying themselves, but that's not what they're controlling. Yep. And when we looked at it, we found out that the business was paying for consumption items, and so we were lying to ourselves if we were only counting what was coming into the mm -hmm. household that they were paying themselves from the business. So we discovered that they were controlling everything that the business was creating, at this point in time and if we didn't account for the consumption items that were being paid for through the business we were lying about what they were actually consuming mm. on an annual basis so we just made it really simple what are you controlling annually from wherever and there's a few line items that we could put here but what are you controlling annually turned out it was about two hundred seventy thousand dollars okay from there we just broke it down and said what's being consumed and what's being saved. And again, if it's not being saved, what's happening to it? It's gone. It's gone, right? Whether that's taxes, whether that's gas, whether it's a pedicure, whether it's a manicure, it's gone. I don't control yep. it anymore, okay? Yep. Uh, with regards to liabilities, there's some efficiencies here. Uh, there is a small auto loan of about $8,000, and then uh, roughly 
$490,000 of student debt. This person's a doctor, by the way. <laughs> so, but okay. Um, so with this, uh, this, this is a long-term sort of, of conversation. And some of this depends on what do we want? What impact do we want to have? Yeah. Uh, does the debt keep me up at night? Uh, what, what, what ways do I have to get rid of it? So this is not a simple conversation of, well, you just need to divert as much money as you can towards debt. This mm -hmm. is a lot. I mean, this is a lot of debt. Yep. So we put a pin in that, didn't get wrapped around the axle, but I did ask some questions having to do with, so Miss, Mrs. Smith, does this really bother you at a deep level? And I believe the answer from Mrs. Smith was, yeah, I hate it. It drives me absolutely nuts. So that's a factor, right? Yep. You can't you can't look at how something feels in efficiency. Yeah. That's math. Yeah. But when you optimize, you can go, okay, one party of Mr. and Mrs. Smith is really disturbed yeah. by this debt. Mr. Smith was like, nope, I'm doing what I want. I'm just yeah. gonna keep doing it. Yeah. And it wasn't that brash, but the point is here is yeah. that it emotionally meant a, meant a little bit different thing to him. Yeah. Okay. So if we move on to uh investments it, it, that's what the tab is called here in the model but it really is what have we saved and what are we saving now keep in mind that this uh couple mr and mrs smith had already decided to institute an asset in their financial model and so what we did was we listed the cash value available in that model and then what they were saving to it on an annual basis and then what was on hand um again in all aspects that they were controlling mm -hmm. okay so the these this couple was pretty cash heavy and they decided that they wanted to be in control of their money they wanted to view themselves as their number one asset so again a lot of this language is what you're going to hear right a better wealth so probably but they sorry but they already had this plan before even talking to us correct okay. they had been through underwriting they had signed on the dotted line or the line that is dotted and yeah. um taken delivery of an and asset and uh, what's called a recap term life insurance, which allows you pretty efficiently to, to transition that yeah. to another one, which they were on the trajectory to do. But what they hadn't done is secured the total amount of death benefit that they could get uh, and, and were qualified for because they were really put off by the way that uh, their contract, they had not been educated about how to use their contract. It was, yeah. this is what you need to do. Everything was very directive. And they did, it just didn't sit well with them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we get here and okay, great. We, we've collected. So we've got about $180,000 that has been saved and we are saving about 40,000, just over $40,000 a year. Okay. Not too yeah. bad. Right. Real estate. In this, case, in this case, they were renting, and they had a really, really low amount of rent. They didn't love the place that they live, but as far as efficiency goes, it was making sense for their family. So we talked about what do you want for the future, houses in the future, um, and, and that was a little bit more of the dialogue. But okay. for right now, really, really efficient with regards to where they live as far as rent, and that made sense for them. So we had already covered they have quite a bit of death benefit. Okay, so they felt very comfortable that they had protected their family in the way that they wanted to. God forbid one of them pass away. Yep. Um, in their occupational field, disability income insurance can be a little bit tricky, if if not completely unattainable. So how do we or how do they want to protect against not being able to go to work? Yep. 
right? So this was a conversation that we had, but it was pretty much a conversation. We put a pin in it and then yep. we moved on. Okay. So moving forward, uh, life events. We talked about, are there any upcoming in the next 18 to 24 months, things that you guys are going to increase consumption for, or any money coming into the model that you're expecting? There wasn't anything there. So we just, we just moved on. Okay. So now we've got the stage set. We've got $270,000 that's coming into the household economy that's being controlled. Mm -hmm. And we've got about $229,000 that is being consumed in some way, shape, or form. So that means we're saving just over the 40 that we had talked about. Because remember, if it's not saved, it's consumed. Yep. Okay? So what we did was we, again, looked at the cash, cash flow ratio model. What's the ratio between the consumption and the savings? And at a 3% inflation rate, what does that mean on out to age 100? Well, you know, when we put that on here, uh, it's not terrible, but it's not really what they wanted. Yep. Okay, so there's some imbalance in this particular model. The red line comes off the green line. And um, what was more troubling, and I'm just going to divert to this point, is that uh, when we looked at how they were funding their and asset, they were funding it on a monthly basis. And when you fund life insurance on a monthly basis, you pay an administrative or a finance charge, and it's more costly to you. So I simply said, why are you doing that? There is money here to make your whole contribution. Why didn't you do that? And they said, well, we were advised to pay it monthly. And I said, well, why? So we looked at their we looked at their contract and we were able to immediately recapture $2500 a year, which is not a small amount of money and put it back into the model just by changing the mode with which they were contributing to that particular tool. And that one decision not only saved that money, but it gave them more access to control capital as well. Correct. Correct. And that's that's a little bit more in a little bit more detail than we're really like you kind of got to see that, but if if it's not all there to begin with, we have yeah. less access yeah. as time goes on. So this is really, especially since the money was already on their model and they were going to contribute it to that anyway, there was no, no reason whatsoever yep. to do it any other I, way. I have a question for you. So if we're looking at something like, you know, half a million dollars of debt yes. that, that will get paid off eventually, is it, when it comes to con consumption and savings, is it could it be fair to say that they would be consuming less in the future because that is such a big chunk or cash flow wise was it is well, that a fair is that a fair question well yes and um student debt is one of the hottest and most difficult topics to deal with right now quite frankly because people haven't had to pay anything for a while and so i think that they're getting kind of used to that and they're really really pushing for some sort of uh, forgiveness or how do I deal with this? I mean, we're talking, we're talking 400, 500, $600,000 at five or 6% interest. This is, this is way more detrimental to a financial model than a house payment. So it, it's a case by case basis. Sometimes uh, there are private ways to take care of that. Sometimes there are consolidation options. Sometimes there are family members that can weigh in on that. It really, it, sometimes yeah. there's forgiveness options based off of your profession or your what, line What I'm work. talking about is when we're factoring out to 6570, we're assuming all the money that's going to, towards debt is going into their consumption. Mm, but sure. there, it, it's, it could be fair to say, but this person's are, 
they're renting. And so they could be maybe owning a house that's more. So the point of the matter is this is you like there's a good chance that their consumption is even going to increase beyond the three percent even after the debt. And that needs to be accounted for as well. But but the point one of the points that you wanted to make is like these people had an and asset. Right. With a company that we work with. Check. Correct. And one thing, like you saved them over two grand just by changing one mode and actually better their situation. Well, and, and I encouraged them, despite their displeasure with the person that had educated and helped them, uh, to go back and sign the remainder of their death benefit that they had qualified for in term life insurance that they could then convert. This is a benchmark bedrock tool that they yeah. want to use to control their dollars because they know and believe that they're their greatest asset. They know that investing in themselves and their business is going to get them the greatest result and return that they want in life. And so rather than storing cash somewhere yeah. else, they want to store it here. So they've done those two things, and we've had a really amazing dialogue, yeah. and we'll continue to to coach. Yeah. Again, I'll come back to it. The bedrock of all of this, though, is looking at Mr. and Mrs. Smith and saying, do you track where all of your money goes every single month? Yeah. And in this case, the answer was sort of. And they're business owners. They're very diligent at the business and, and tracking that money, and they could do better at tracking it within the household yeah. because you're correct. Um, it is, it is feasible to think that consumption may go down later in life. The problem is in looking at this particular Mr. and Mrs. Smith right now, they're wanting to increase their yeah. lifestyle. Because they're abundant in how they think. Correct. They yeah. want to own a home. They want to raise their kids in a certain way. They want to be able to, to, to homeschool yeah. or to send to a private school. These yeah. are some of the ethics that they have. So what they're consuming now is considerably less than where they would like to be. I love it, man. I I think I what what's the main point from this? It's the saving saving someone two thousand dollars on on an and asset just because just because of a conversation. Is it what's one of the big takeaways? I th I think the primary takeaway here is decisions made in a vacuum are not they're not just not wise choices. Yeah. And if you don't believe that you're being educated and served appropriately by somebody anybody, regardless of whether it's in the financial industry or whether it's at a car lot. You owe it to yourself to get that information. Yeah. Like, I like to think that we're extremely transparent. Yeah. And, and it's the facilitation of something that you want for your model because you're in control of this. I, I say, I've said this on other podcasts. I'm an advisor. We, as, as the sales force here, are the advisors to the master, to the CO and the XO, to the commander and the XO of your financial model. You drive the ship. We're here to make sure that the ship is most efficiently and optimally getting to where it should go. Yep. Love it. If this resonates, this concept of don't make a decision in the vacuum uh, resonates with you, check us out at betterwealth.com. We have a lot of resources. You can get a clarity call. You can go through our x-ray process or sign up to work with this guy right here. And, um, and we truly want to help you and serve you better so that you can live more intentionally. And we realize if you're not making a decision in a vacuum. You can be freed up to do some pretty cool things. And we have, we're in a series that we're covering all those. If you're watching this on YouTube, we would appreciate if you smash the like button, subscribe, share this video. If you're listening to this on an Apple phone. And if you have not reviewed the show, which hopefully you have, but if you're not, <laughs> scroll all the way down to the bottom and, and give this show a hopefully five-star rating. Guys, we appreciate you. We hope you're enjoying the series. Go have an intentional rest of your day.
Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.